I want to continue in Bible study, and I want to go back to Hezekiah, a former king. Now, I'll tell you why, because there's so much more I want to show you. So much more I want. There's so many lessons that we can learn. And we get the heart of God in the prophetic word. We get the heart of God, and I want to show you the heart of God as he looks upon a sinful nation, a sinful kingdom. I want to show you the love and the grace that he shows through the years, saying, come to me, come to me, turn to me. You'll live if you look at me, and you shall live. And, and all of these t- this time, even though he's breaking them up into separate kingdoms, he has a plan and a destiny. But even in that, he says, you know, if you turn to me, you'll live. If you turn to me, you'll live. So that's just for a basis of our reading. Second Kings, please, chapter 17. And I'll be honest, I'm unsure how much of each portion to read, uh, simply because there's so much of it. Um, but if you jot them down and mark them, you can always go back and read them yourselves at home, and you'll get a, a better, deeper um, insight to what we're trying to, to show you this evening. Second Kings chapter 17. And just at verse 1, look what it says. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel. Nine years, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. But not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hosea became his servant and gave him presents. In other words, he became a tributary, paying his taxes to him. So now notice verse 1, we've shown you the kingdom is broken up, uh, 12 tribes into two kingdoms, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, or the house of Israel in the north, where there's 10 tribes, and the house of Judah in the south, where you have Judah, Benjamin, and mostly Levi there. But it's really known as two tribes because Levi had no land inheritance. Theirs was the tithe of the Lord's house. So here we have the, the kings mentioned here, Ahaz, king of Judah, that is the southern kingdom. Remember, I give you a mental picture of Ireland where you have Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, Belfast and Dublin. Well, there were two capital cities like that. And here the southern kingdom of Judah and their capital city was Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so out of here, the Lord had ordained the house of David, or David's line, Solomon and so on, his kingly line to come out of there. And it was here that also the priestly line would be still ministering through the Levites, uh, the house of Aaron, as it were, and the Levites in the temple. So the temple worship that God had ordained was still in Jerusalem. But notice what it says in verse 1. There's a Ahaz, king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and it says, Began Hosea. Don't mix him up with the prophet Hosea now. Don't mix him up. It's totally, someone totally different. Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. So now in the north, the house of Israel, remember over Israel, was Samaria was their capital city. So it's like Belfast and Dublin now you have. And they set up false gods. Remember Jeroboam was their first king, and he set up Adan and Bethel with golden calves, and he said, These be thy gods, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And he he done that to stop the people traveling down to Jerusalem to worship at the temple in case they turned in him. The northern kingdom is also known as Joseph, or the house of Joseph, or Ephraim. It's also known as Samaria because of their capital city. It's called the house of Israel as well. Okay? And the southern kingdom really gets Judah, but they become known as Jews. Now, whenever we're, we're reading this, you see the two kings, the two capital cities, Judah, Samaria. And that's Jerusalem and Judah, and Samaria is the city in the northern parts. Okay, so now we don't want to read it all, but let's go down. They set up images and groves, and they become wicked. And if you let your eye just run on down then, the verse 13 it says, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah. There's the two kingdoms. By all the prophets and by all the seers saying, turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe, 
in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenants that, that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel. Now note this. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah only. This is meaning the southern kingdom was left. They took completely away. There were escapees. We'll look at that if we get time. But he's talking as a nation in general. And there's only the tribe of Judah left. And Judah also kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers until he had cast them out of his sight. And he rent Israel from the house of David and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king and Jeroboam drive Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin for the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight as he had said by all his servants of prophets so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. That is the day that this is written, okay? The king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Kutha and from Eva and from Hamoth, from Seraphim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. So here's what happens. God has sent, in verse 13, he testifies against the two kingdoms, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Especially the house of Israel, first of all, and he sends prophets to them, seers and others, people who can see what's happening, people with the, the gift of, of the, the word of knowledge, if you want even, and prophetic utterance, the word of God to them, saying, God sees this is going on in the land, you better turn. Now, that's a picture of every preacher should be in the 21st century. Not health, wealth, prosperity, and let's go get your own private jet. It should be turn. Turn to the Lord your God. Turn, because God is angry with this nation. God is angry with this land. And God is, at this present time, bringing judgment in and waves upon this people. And that's what the prophets were doing. But we're told that they wouldn't turn, they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't hear, and they wouldn't do. So the northern kingdom, they're taken away first. The Assyrians come, take them away. And remember, we told you that Jeroboam here mentioned in verse 21, he rent Israel from the house of David. Remember, the house of David was uh, King David's son Solomon had the whole kingdom. And then Solomon had his garment rent, do you remember, by a hide of the prophet. And he took his new robe off him and he ripped it up. Or sorry, his servant Jeroboam, he had ripped up Jeroboam's garment into 12 pieces and he gave 10 pieces of Jeroboam and says, Solomon's son Rehoboam, I'll give him two. Two tribes and 10 tribes. And that was the two kingdoms. So now when we come to here, uh, David, Solomon, Jeroboam is in Jerusalem. David's dead, Solomon's dead, Jeroboam starts ruling and the line of kings come out from Jerusalem and start reigning from there. In the north, we have, we have Jeroboam and all the kings that come out of there, okay? So with two lines of kings, we looked at some of them and some of the prophets. Let me just give you a brief rundown. For there's something like, memory serves me right, about 19 kings in the house of Israel in the north until they're carried away. And I, there's 20, maybe 21, 20 kings in the house of Judah before they're carried away. So the Lord sends prophets to them at the times of these kings 
Just like the kings of England where you have a one king comes and another king comes. They were the same. But there was prophets like you had preachers in the land at the times of certain kings. Here we have it as prophets. Now notice this. In the house of Judah at the southern kingdom in Jerusalem was Rehoboam, Solomon's son. At the same time you had Jeroboam in the northern kingdom. And Ahijah was a prophet. Shemaiah was the prophet in Judah. Now, I'm not going to go through them all, but here's a, here's a little thing to look at. If you were to go through um, the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, every king in the northern kingdom was a wicked king. Every one of them. They'd done evil. To the various degrees, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Starting with Jeroboam, he started off well, but he had 22 years on the throne. And then there's Nadab, 27 years, 24. Then Elah, 2. Zimri, 7 days. And then there was Omri, 12 years. We spoke of Omri. Then we had Ahab, who married Jezebel in the northern kingdom in Samaria. And that's where you get Elijah coming from. And then you get Elisha coming. And they were preaching to this northern kingdom. Turn, turn. Elijah building the altar of the Lord again in the northern kingdom. It was all wrecked. It was ruined. The big stones were cast down. They didn't want to know the things of God. And he says, we need to rebuild the things of God. We need to rebuild the word. We need the word. We need the fire. We need the blood. And that was on the altar. And that is exactly the same pattern that we need in Britain tonight. We need the word. We need the spirit. The fire of God on it. We need the blood. Need the blood. Need it brought back into the pulpit. Need it brought back into the, the altars of men and women's hearts. To live for the word and the spirit igniting the word. Causing fire in men and women to preach the blood of Christ. It's only in, it's only in preaching like that that our nation will turn. And people will, of our nation will turn on us. But it's up to us to stand up and preach it anyway. That they will hear that our nation may turn back to God. Now you notice this. You have Elijah comes. You have Elisha comes after him. You have Micaiah comes as well. And we looked at all of those prophets. This is all in the northern kingdom of Israel. You have Azariah, two years. Joram, 12 years. And that's when Elisha was there then. Then you have Jehu, drove his chariot furiously. And we looked at Jehu. Then Jonah comes on the scene. That's where the book of Jonah is. And the Lord says, go cry against Nineveh, that great city. Tell them to repent. And Jonah's saying, I'm getting on a ship going to Tarsus and getting out of here. Because if they repent, God's, if they don't repent, God's judgment will come on Assyria. Which means they won't be able to attack our northern kingdom, our people. So he gets on a ship and the Lord says, go preach to them. Puts them in the whale's belly and spits them back out again. And the Lord gives them the second chance of the ministry to call back unto you. He's the God of the second chance. You know that. He's the God of a million chances. And so we have uh, Jonah mentioned there. In fact, um, in 2 Kings 14, if you'll just flick over while we're on there. And we read this briefly. I just want to pick out a little verse or so here. 2 Kings 14. And let your eye run down. The verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. Notice here's the northern kingdom. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Here's the other kingdom. Began to reign in Samaria. Here's what, that's is the northern kingdom. And he reigned 41 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam. This is the man who set up the, the bulls uh, and says, These be thy gods of Israel and brought in all the false worship. They continued in that vein. He did that which was evil, and he followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath onto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. Listen, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah. That's Jonah mentioned, the prophet here. You think there's only the book, but Jonah's mentioned here. Here he is in this kingdom, and he's now preaching in the northern kingdom. The Lord says this and you'll recover. And they're recovering coastlands when they're starting to hear the word of God. They're starting to recover that which was lost. But the problem is as a nation, they were losing everything. So Jonah is mentioned here 
And then, of course, Jonah, we read the book of Jonah and the, the big fish, the great fish that swallows him. Then after this, Jonah, we have Amos the prophet. Now, and after him, we have Hosea the prophet. And he brings us up to Jeroboam the second, the king who would reign in the house of Israel. And they're all wicked kings. Jeroboam, the first to Jeroboam the second. And Jeroboam the second, the prophet Hosea was there in his day. Now we looked at the prophet Hosea. I don't want to go through it all. You get the last study on it. And we looked at various things where the prophet Hosea is a picture of the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God. So uh, he marries a woman called Gomer. Gomer is a picture of the house of Israel, a woman of whoredoms. They have children and God says, you're not my children. But then where it says, you're not my children, I'll be no more merciful to you. Where it says, I'll be no more merciful, I'll show you mercy and I'll be merciful to you and you'll become my children. And we read in the Gospel of John that to them that believed in the name of Jesus, to them give you the authority to become the sons of God again. He showed mercy through the cross. See, everything here is being laid out. God is doing all of this because he's planning for Messiah to come out of Judah. He's planning for the Redeemer to come and that he'll shed his blood for us. Now notice what, what happens here. We have Jeroboam II. He reigned 41 years and Joash was just before him. Turn with me to the book of Amos. Just want to pick a few verses out to the book of Amos. You'll go Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos. Only in wee books, not a lot of people we think to look at. Now here's the thing. Amos isn't from the northern kingdom. Amos is from, Amos is from the southern kingdom. But the Lord picks him and sends him up north. It's like a wee man from Cork being sent up to Belfast. Go preach against them. <laughs> or Dublin, you know. So he's sent up north. I want to just pick some verses out for you. Look at the first verse. The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel. Now notice when it was in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Now you'll recognize that king. In the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Do you ever notice that? Two years before the earthquake. God has sent him and says, if you don't turn to me, I'm going to deal with you. And you know what he does? He even sends an earthquake. I still won't listen. He sends an earthquake that some ancient writer says it went up like a giant wall and a giant wave. The whole of the land and down it Christ down again. Some of the ancient writings. It's documented. And notice here, Uzziah is mentioned the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. So he was Amos' king, if you want, in Jerusalem. And here Uzziah is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. Now he knows Uzziah dies and he sees the Lord. Here Uzziah is the king. Here he sends Amos when he's king up to the northern kingdom to preach against them. And two years later, what does he do? He sends a great earthquake. Do you notice how God marks particular events in history with his word? I can remember the day in the hour I got saved. I can remember it like yesterday. And strange, because we were singing the hymn there, Dear Saviour, thou art mine. I've told Alison, she knows this. Should the Lord take me home whether it's now or whenever? In the law of averages, I'm a little bit older than Alison. And in the law, I'm not going to tell you how, how, long, how old I am, but I'm a little bit older than her. And with the law of averages, women generally tend to live longer than men. So I'm bound to go first. <laughs> Also says, I'll make sure. <laughs> uh, but I said, I want that hymn at my funeral. Don't mean to be morbid, but that's what I want. 
You know why? Thou art a sinner's friend. That's why thy friendship claimed. A sinner saved by grace. When thy sweet message came, you're mine. Eh? You're mine. And God marks special events in our life. I remember the day I was baptized in the Spirit. Never forget it. I remember when certain things that God has done in my life and shown me, and I'm sure you do too, and there's things nationally that God has done and we have rejected them. Turned away from them. We see great floods and it's just a weather pattern. You know? We see floods like, in fact, when we were away on holiday there, they had a, a satellite television at, at night and we watched news, uh, one of those news, I think it was BBC World News, and there was a program on about the floods this year in Britain. And the words they used were floods of biblical proportion. That's the word that jumped out at me. Floods of biblical proportion. And I thought, and you still don't turn? Even the unsaved in the world are saying these are floods of biblical proportion. But it's just a weather pattern. Our nation has become such a wicked people. Wicked, wicked people. Israel became more wicked than all the nations around them. Did you know that? The Lord said to Hosea, who was a picture of him, and Gomer, he was the Mari, he was a picture of Israel. He says, go marry a, a wife of whoredoms, of the children of whoredom, for the land has committed great whoredom before me. Now I want to look at that when I get a little chance of, of what it had done, not only Israel, but Judah. Try and get the, the sense of God's heartbeat in it. And if you and I as Christians and born-again believers can get the sense of God's heartbeat over the nation of what he sees when he looks at our nation. But not only what he sees, but what he feels. And then look at what he sees, even what goes on in the church. We have here, Amos, you see the kingdom, you see Uzziah mentioned in the great earthquake. They still don't turn. Turn with me to chapter 4. Just quickly and briefly, we flick through some of these. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear this word, ye Cain of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria. Now, if you read that, most people will say, what on earth does that mean? Let me tell you what that is, simply. It's the bull calves that Jeroboam had set up in the mountains. These be thy gods of Israel. It was the false religious worship. False religion. And God says, I see you. And I'm coming on you. I'm coming down on this. Here is the, the Cain of Bashan on the mountains of Luke, Samaria. This is the northern kingdom. The mountains round about the capital city, which oppress the poor and crush the needy, would say to their masters, bring and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Now catch that. He's sworn by his holiness. That lo, the days shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and with your posterity, with fish hooks. Do you know what happened when Assyria came? And there's again, there's pictures that's inscribed in the clay tablets and other archaeological facts, um, uh, items. They actually put hooks through many of their lower jaws, their jawbone here, just under the chin. They put the hook right up through like a fish and into, into their mouth with a rope and they brought a lot of them away captive like this. The Lord says, I bring fish hooks. That's serious, isn't it? And ye shall go out at the breaches, every one, every cow that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress. Here, Bethel, the house of God. Beth means house, El is God. Bethel, the house of God. This is where Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. This is where Jacob saw the stairway to heaven and lay with his, his, his head on that stone pillow. 
annoying sin. You're saying, come to Bethel, what for? To the place that we remember where God had visited his people. He says, no, you're, you're saying come to Bethel because there's a golden calf there in the idolatry of your hearts. You're transgressing. He says, and I see it. Now, let your eye run down. Hosea 4 and verse 12. This is one. Four and verse, sorry, Amos 4 and verse 12. What am I talking about? Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and I will do this unto thee. Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. You see that all over the place, don't you? In gospel halls, up and, you know, prepare to meet thy God, prepare to meet thy God. Do you know what the Lord says here? If you read the previous chapter before that, running into this, if memory serves me right, he gives about seven. I think it's seven different nationalities around that Solomon, remember it showed you Solomon all the wives he had and the Amorites from Lot's um, ancestral and the Moabites from the ancestral relationship Lot with his daughters. He, he mentions different nations around him. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. And you, can you see, and Israel's rubbing their hands. The Lord's on our side. This is great. And the Lord says, now you Israel, prepare to meet thy God. And listen, you know I'm a patriot in my country, but I have to say something. Britain has always been, oh, we're such a righteous people. I've not indeed. (laughs) I've not indeed. Anything ever righteous in our country was the word of God and the people who followed it. And in Christ's name, it's only ever been righteous. (laughs) So here we have... Chapter 5, verse 1. Hear ye this word which I take against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel is fallen. She shall no more rise. She is forsaken upon her land. There is none to raise her up. For thus saith the Lord God, the city that went out by a thousand shall leave an hundred, and that which went forth by an hundred shall leave ten to the house of Israel. In other words, God says, I'm going to leave a scattering of your people. A tithe of them be left. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and defar it, and there be none to quench it. In battle. See, here he calls it now the house of Joseph. Because Ephraim was the name of the kingdom, and Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. So he's just taken Joseph's name. He calls it the house of Joseph. I break out like a fire in you. Do you know what the Lord says in the last days about the isles? He says, They that dwell courteously in the isles, I'll send fire upon you. So, we have Jeroboam with Hosea. We have Amos. Then we have Hosea comes in and they're preaching to the northern kingdom. In the northern kingdom, then after Jeroboam II, we have Zechariah, not to be mixed up again with the prophet. Then we have Shalom. We have Meneah. And we have Pekahiah. And then we have Pekah. And the last king of the northern kingdom is called Hosea. Again, that's the one I said, don't mix him up with the prophet. He is called Hosea. He reigned nine years. 119 years after Solomon and his kingdom was broken up. Nine years he reigns over the house of Israel. And then there's the fall of Samaria. The Assyrians come, take it captive and swallow it up. Carry them away with hooks in their jaws. And there's a little remnant scattered here, scattered there. Now, when it comes, the reason that I stopped around Hezekiah, the reformer king, because this army now encroaches, comes right into the southern kingdom of Judah, takes 46 fenced or fortified cities away with them. Around 200,000 from the house of Judah are also now taken away, and the enemy's getting closer and closer to Jerusalem and starts encamping around it. And the enemy comes and says, don't let Hezekiah make a trust in the Lord. 
Yeah. The other gods didn't stop them. The house of Israel's gods didn't stop them. Don't you think your God will stop them? Shalmaneser is coming, the great king, and you're going to go into captivity with him. Hezekiah reforms the whole of the house of Judah. And he puts the, he gets the, the doors back on the temple. The temple's broken down. There's no worship. He gets the doors back on the temple. He starts bringing the worship, true and true worship, into the house again. He gets the word of the Lord and he brings it out to, to, to God and he takes the, the, the word of the Lord in one hand, as it were, and he brings the letters of the enemies in the other. He says, Lord, what will we do about this? And God looks upon the whole reform and the repentance that's in the land and he just turns it all again. And the enemy is cast away from, there's like 180,000 are slain in one night outside Jerusalem. And at this point, Hezekiah in the southern kingdom is the king when Hosea is the king in the north and Israel is finished in the north. Now, will you turn with me to the, to the book of Jeremiah, please? when I put it into our heads for the moment the house of Israel are gone there's no more kings to talk about they're gone as I said in the southern kingdom the house of Judah Hezekiah is reigning now here's the little strange thing about the house of Judah there were good and bad kings in it for example as I said the first king after Solomon was Solomon's son Rehoboam but he turned out bad. Then Abijah, bad. Asa, good. And this is the way it goes. Jehoshaphat, good. Jehoram, bad. Amaziah, bad. Athaliah, bad. Joash, good. Amaziah, good. Uzziah, good. Although Uzziah ended up dying of leprosy because of his sin against the Lord. Jotham, good. Ahaz, bad. Hezekiah, the reformer. That's where we are. Good. And see when you go right through, the next king is Manasseh. And he was wicked. But here's the thing. He is the longest reigning king of them all. Do you know why? Because he too repented. Even in all that he had done, all of his wickedness, from a true heart, he repented before God and God raised him up again. In 55 years, he was bad, then he repented and he got 55 years. Now, we'll have Ammon came after him, he only got two years, he was bad. Josiah, 31 years, he was good. Jehoahaz was three months, he was bad. And in that period of time from Manasseh to Jehoahaz that I had written, I read out, we have Nahum the prophet, we have Habakkuk, and we have Zephaniah. They're all prophesying. For example, you know, Habakkuk talks about uh, standing on his watch and seeing what the Lord will say unto him. And though, you know, though the, the, the face in the, uh, seems to be tarrying, wait for it, it'll surely come. And he's prophesying this out unto the nation. Then after Jehoahaz, we have Jehoiakim, 11 years, and he was bad. This time, we start to see the light of Daniel we start to see like a Jeremiah and then Ezekiel. Jehoiakim, Chin, Bad, Ezekiel's around that time, and Zedekiah was the last king in the southern kingdom. Zedekiah, again, not, not Zedekiah, the prophet. Zedekiah was the last king in the southern kingdom in Jerusalem. And he was bad. Now, Babylon comes and carries them away eastward. They go eastward. They probably go up around the Fertile Crescent, the east and down anyhow, but it, it, they end up eastward. And that's where we get then Daniel writing, and that's where we get Ezekiel writing some of the stuff. We're going to look at it in a moment here. Okay, so Jeremiah, let's look at him just for a second. Go to chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. Now we want to get the Lord's heart here. We're looking at Jerusalem now. We're looking at the southern kingdom of Judah, 
Ezreal are gone, okay? They say if a man put away his wife, she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many, with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. Now, we need to get the picture of what is going on here. We tend to think that this is to do with um, simply uh, somebody uh, going with someone, can they take them back again? Or, you know, or is this a divorce or what else is this? It's, it, can be, it can be applied in a certain way to that. But we have to remember Christ comes in grace after this. But he's talking about the kingdom here. The land, he says. In other words, Israel was his bride, his wife. And he says, they're gone. Now we're looking at Judah. Look at the state of views. Now, if they're gone away, and they have many lovers, and they've gone, and I've cast them out away, can I bring them back again and remarry unto them? And he's saying, no, I can't, because I've sworn in my holiness. But what happens is in Christ, that he brings the grace element into it. And then we're living in grace at the cross. Now notice this. So he's talking about the nation here. Lift up thine eyes under the pla- on the high place and see where thou hast not been lying with. In the ways hast thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. You have brought all sorts of spiritual idolatry and adultery in here. You have lying and ours. You have slept with these. You have bedded with these fellows. Therefore the showers have been withholding be no lot of rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. What? The Lord comes to his wife and says, I'm watching you. And you know what you've done? You have lain with everybody. And I have forgiven you. And I have forgiven you. And I have forgiven you. And you have a whore's forehead. And you're not even ashamed of it. So now you see God's heart. See how God's heart is here. See, you're not even ashamed of what you're doing. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me? My father, thou art the guide of my youth. Will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto me, but she returned not. Notice, and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. See, he's talking about the northern kingdom here. And they're saying, this is what your sister did. Now, notice here's two sisters now. Israel and Judah are now two sisters. This is important. So the Lord says, you went under every... In other words, they had places of worship under trees and the bushes and wee idols set up and they went worshiping everywhere, but they wouldn't worship the real one true loving God. He says, and yet even at that, you played a heart at And I says, would you not come to me? Many times is our own hearts like that. Will you just not come to me? I love you. And treacherous, her treacherous sister Judah saw it, and I saw when for all their causes were backsliding, Israel committed adultery. I had put her away, notice, and give her a bill of divorce. God got divorced. Who's read that before? Or who's recognized it as a read it before? And give her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defiled the land, committed adultery with stones and with stocks. 
And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but faintly saith the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Now get God's heart. His heart's in this temple. It's not in Samaria. And he's saying, even though I looked at Israel, he says, Israel were so wicked. They were so cruel. He says, they were so adulterous. And I still wanted them. There's nothing more I could do with them. I had to send them away. He says, but now when I get to hear Judah, he says, Israel aren't as bad as you. They're justifying themselves even more than you because you have the truth in the middle of you. You have the kingly line coming out of you. In other words, you have the scepter. You have the temple. You have my presence. You should know better. See, you're worse than them. How must the Lord look upon us as Christians when we should know better? But he still loves us. Verse 12, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, return thy backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful. Praise his holy name. I am merciful. Saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And I will take you one of a city and two of a family and will bring you to Zion. Here's an elect coming out. And I will give you pastors according to my heart. I will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So come to pass when ye be multiplied and increased in the land in those days, saith the Lord, they shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it. In the name of the Lord to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk anymore after the imaginations of their evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. Now, I note this. In those days, has that happened yet? Has all the nations come to worship the Lord? It's to come. So Israel and Judah are not united together until then. And even then, it's an elect by grace. And you will come, he says, and worship me. So, verse 20, let's read this. Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have you treacherously dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted the way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return ye backsliding children, sliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. In other words, he's saying, you know, you're going to your religious services and you're going to go to your religious sacrifices. And you're going to do your religious practices and you're going to have all your ceremonies. And you're going to do all these sort of things. He says, but really, you don't even know me. But if you turn to me, he says, salvation is in me. He says, now look to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am the Lord and there is none else. It's only in Christ, you see. This is Christ. There's no salvation anywhere outside it. Not in a temple, not in a future temple that they say will be built. Nowhere but on Christ alone. So, let's turn, because time's flying, and let's turn to the book 
of Ezekiel. And go to chapter 23. Now, it said that Ezekiel, if you can imagine the southern kingdom in Jerusalem, and now the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar and so on, they're coming and encroaching around. The Assyrians are gone. Oh, that's all over. The Babylonians are here. And the Babylonians are coming against Jerusalem. This is later on. In fact, this is around from Hosea till from Hosea, the last king of the house of Israel, being taken away, till Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, being taken away. It's probably about 140 or so years. So that's how long this distance is. We think it's five minutes. It's it's, it's about 140 years. God's dealing with them. See, it's long-suffering. And so at this point... It said that Ezekiel, there's different captivities. You, know, you go in there, you know, you see it even on the news today where there's armies going into it to, to take over territory and then they lose it and then they gain it and they lose it. It was exactly the same and they brought them away with them and they filled it up with other peoples. And then they brought more away. So there was captivities at different times. But it took them all away. And then they came and they fought and they took more away. And the second captivity um, being bringing the Judahites um, or the stroke Jews out was when Ezekiel was taken away about second captivity. And here's the strange thing. Uh, 70 years before the release of Jer- in Jerusalem, and it was a, 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 the year before the release of Jerusalem, we're going to look at that, Ezekiel's wife dies. She doesn't see the release. And you know what the Lord says? Ezekiel, I don't even want you to mourn. But I want you to go and show them this. I'm going to read it in a moment. We'll see it. And will you see God's heart as he looked at Jerusalem and what they had done? Chapter 23, the word of the Lord came on to me saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. Now, who's the two women? It's the two we've been talking about. Who's the one mother? Sarah, Abraham's wife. That's their descendancy. Okay? The daughters of one mother. They committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. There were their breasts pressed and they were bruised and they bruised the teeth of their virginity. Now you notice, and the names of them were Ahola, the elder, and Ahalibah, her sister. And they were mine and they bare sons and daughters. Thus were their, na- their names Samaria as a holla, and Jerusalem as a holiba. Okay, so the Lord has given Samaria and Jerusalem two female women's names because He's married them. You see, and notice the very closeness of the name because they were a nation of one people, and they separated. And He says, "Here's their names: Ahola, Ahola is Samaria, the northern kingdom, or the city is the it's their capital." The Ahaliba is Jerusalem in the southern kingdom in Judah. Now let me tell you what Ahola, Ahola means. She hath her own tent. That's what it means. She hath her own tent. So God was saying the northern kingdom is Ahola, Samaria. She has her own tent. Ahaliba, the southern kingdom, or Jerusalem, means my tent is in her, or she is my tent. And let me tell you why. The temple was in Jerusalem, God's tent. The bulls and all the false worship was not of God. She's got her own tent. I don't know that tent. It was a false idolatrous, adulterous tent. See all the false worship you see today? She has her own tent, God says. See when they're not preaching the blood in the book? She says, that's a false gospel. They've got their own tent. But when we're preaching the blood in the book, he says, my tent is here and my people. You and I are God's tent in the new covenant. We are the Ahaliba of God. God's tent. He tabernacles in us. So, 
Here's the two sisters. Now you notice. Verse 5, And Ahala said to Harlot when she was mine. Notice he's speaking in past tense. Because they're gone. You notice that? They're gone. When she was mine. He has already said through Jeremiah, I've written her a bill of divorce. And she doted on her lovers, on the Assyrians, her neighbors, which were clothed with blue, captains and rulers, and all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding upon horses. She committed whoredoms with them, with all them that were chosen men of Assyria, and with all on whom she doted, all their idols she defied herself. Now notice here, the Lord is looking at his wife, and he's watching her every day defile herself. And he loves her. He loves her. He loves Israel. And the more she defiles herself, he calls to her and he sends Elijah and he sends Elisha and he sends Amos and he sends Hosea and others. And Isaiah was part of the prophecy too. He prophesied to both kingdoms. And he said, I've told you. What did Jesus say when he came later in Matthew 20? Verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that stonest the prophets, killest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen doth gather her chickens under her wings, and you would not? And he says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, or your temple. No longer is this my Ahalibah. God's a Hollywood became when Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? In the new covenant of Christ. So, whenever we're reading this, you can see how the northern kingdom is gone. A Hollywood, the, the southern kingdom, verse 22, therefore. O Ahalibah, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will raise up thy lovers against thee, from whom my mind is alienated, and I will bring them against thee on every side. Notice the Babylonians and the Chaldeans, Pekod and Shoah and Koah, and all the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, captains and rulers, great lords and renowned, all of them riding upon horses. So the Lord says, You want your lovers? I'll give you them. You want to cheat on me? I'll give you it. But you're not staying in my house. See, this land, he says, you're only the caretakers, it's mine. God says the land is... People talk about who owns the land. God owns the land. God owns the land. The house of Joseph actually have the birthright of the land. The northern kingdom has a birthright. So they actually have the title deeds of the land. But the southern kingdom had the scepter of the land. But God owns it. They were fighting, oh... Uh, the Jews own the land, or the Palestinians own the land. Listen, God owns the land. Notice what it says, verse 25, And I will set my jealousy against thee, and they shall deal furiously with thee, they shall take thee away by thy nose and thine ears. And thy remnant shall fall by the sword, and they shall take thy sons and daughters, and thy residue, and shall be devoured by the fire. They shall also strip thee out of thy clothes, and they take away thy fur jewels. Thus will I make thy lewdness to cease from thee, and thy whoredom brought from the land of Egypt, so that thou wilt not lift up thine eyes unto them, nor remember Egypt any more. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will deliver thee into the hand of them whom thou hearest, into the hand of them from whom my mind is alienated. So the Lord says, I'm going to send these Babylonians and let your lovers take you. And they'll just use you and abuse you. Now, go to the next chapter and we're going to finish here tonight. First, chapter 24, verse 1. Again, the ninth year, in the tenth month, the tenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, write thee the name of the day, even of the same day, the king of Babylon has set himself against Jerusalem the same day. God said it was going to come. Now it's coming. And utter a parable under rebellious house and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, set a pot, set on a pot, set it on 
and also pour water into it. Gather the pieces thereof into it, even every good piece, the thigh, the shoulder, fill it with the choice bones. Take the choice of the flock and burn also the bones under it and make it boil well and let them seethe the bones of it therein. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, to the, to the pot whose scum is therein and whose scum has gone out of it. And bring it out piece by piece. Let, let no lot fall upon it. For her blood is in the midst of her, set her upon the top of her ox. She poured it not upon the ground and cover it with dust that it might cause my fury to come to take vengeance, come up to take vengeance. I have set her blood upon the top of the rock that she not be covered. Thus, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, I will even make a pile of great fire, heap on wood, kindle the fire, consume the flesh, and spice it well, and let the bones be burnt. You know what he's doing? He says, set a pot up, put all this in, put the bones of the animal you've killed under it, and let it all stink. And then let it burn when the scum goes up, let it stick to the pot. And he says, now that's what I look at when I see my wife. Jerusalem. That's what she's like now. So, verse 15. Also the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from thee the desire of thine eyes with a stroke. Yet neither shalt thou mourn nor weep, neither shall thy tears run down. Forbear to cry, make no mourning for the dead. Bind the tire of thine head upon thee, and put on thy shoes upon thy feet, and cover not thy lips, and eat not the bread of men. So I spake unto the people in the morning, and that even my wife died. And I did in the morning as I was commanded. God says, I'm taking your wife. Don't even want you to cry about it. Wow. The people said unto me, Wilt thou not tell us what these things are to us that thou doest so? Then I answered them, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Speak to the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the excellency of your strength, the desire of your eyes, and that which your soul pitieth and your sons and your daughters whom you have left shall fall by the sword and you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips nor eat the bread of men nor the tires are the, upon your heads, your shoes upon your feet. And you shall not mourn nor weep but you shall pine away for your iniquities and mourn one toward another. Thus Ezekiel is, a sign, is unto you a sign according to all that he hath done shall you do. And when this cometh, ye shall know that I am the Lord God. You know what he's saying? See the pain you're going to feel. The hurt. Deep inside, he says, you're going to know what my heart feels like. Ezekiel, don't even want you to show it. Because none can see mine, says God. What they've done to me for Hundreds of years broke my heart. I haven't mourned. I haven't went on. I've kept loving you. Now, Ezekiel, that you would be able to preach with pathos, that you'll be able to prophesy with conviction, that you'll be able to say, I'm preaching from a heart that's really been through the fire. Thus saith the Lord, this is how he feels. those people they would feel it he says the only thing you're to mourn for is your iniquities do you know whenever we read the Lord in the Beatitudes blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted I know and I have as well and we do that and that's true the Lord comforts the mourning but that's not really what that means The idea is, blessed are they that mourn for their sin. Blessed are they that are broken for what they have done. See, a man can't really be saved, a woman can't really be truly saved until they know they're a sinner. They start to mourn it. 
The Lord says, now you're blessed. And you and I can't really know the grace of God until we start to see who we are in our depravity and our nature. And we start mourning, Lord, I am useless. When I was off, I spent an hour and a half with Pastor McCall. Went to see him, sat in the study, and he made me a cup of tea. Well, he sort of made me a cup of tea. He put the kettle all night on the rest. Never forget, the study's massive. Just, I, was, I could spend weeks, months, years in there. It was fantastic. I thought I had a study there. I'd seen his. I'd seen his before, but I was looking around it. And on the way out the door, he said, my son, listen to me. He's frail. And he says, listen to me. He says, go ahead. He says, I'm nothing. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm nothing. He says, and you remember that for your ministry, for then God will lift you up. That's when men start to not I'm ordering God. Yes, we're seated in Christ in heavenly place, but who are we to order God? We're nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it's only by grace we stand in the blood of the Lamb. I'm not be doing our part, God willing, next week. I have more to show you. God bless his word to all of our hearts. Amen.